Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Perseus Poku. On today's episode, I wanted to speak more about uh, giving a reason for the hope that is within you. And of course, that comes from 1 Peter 3.15, which we often talk about on the show. This whole idea of being able to articulate why you are a Christian, being able to give your apologia, for why you believe what you believe. This whole method of pulling down anti-God rhetoric, pulling down anti-God worldviews, this whole concept of not just sitting idle and letting the world do what they want to do, but more so through the aid and the leading of the Holy Spirit, we are set to defend the gospel, if, as Paul says in Philippians um, chapter 1. We're set for the defense of the gospel. And we've done our best through Sound Reasoning Radio Show to unpack this whole idea of defending the faith. Again, we're not saying we as Christians need to apologize for anything. And some even say um, we don't need to Uh, argue on behalf of God, and God does not need defending. No, God does not need defending, but people need explanations. People need explanations, and that's why in 1 Peter 3.15, the apostle gives us this prescriptive mandate. That's for all of us. It's not enough to be a secret service Christians. There's no such thing, actually. Uh, There's no such thing as being an undercover Christian. There's no such thing as just being a Christian who's able to talk but refuse to talk, even when the Holy Spirit is leading you to talk. So we must be prepared. We must sanctify the Lord God in our hearts and be ready to give our apologia to give a defense of why we believe what we believe. So in 1 Peter chapter 3, and by the way, this letter of Peter, the idea is Peter desires to encourage the church as they're going through persecution. So this letter is for those who are going through difficulties because of Christ, not because of you doing something to transgress against God in a sense that um, Peter's not writing this letter um, to those Christians who are not interested in letting their light shine. That's not what this letter is for. This letter is not for Christians who have no appetite for evangelism. That's not what this letter is for. This letter is for Christians who are desiring to get to know Jesus 
and are willing to make him Lord of their life and to live after his statues. That's what this letter is for. This letter is for those who are interested in pleasing the Lord Jesus. Those who have uh, made it a point to follow Jesus indiscriminately without reserve. Those who thirst for Jesus. That's what this letter is for. Those who wake up in the morning with Jesus on their mind and hymns on their heart. That's what this letter is for. And so if we say we love the Lord, the Bible says that we ought to show some signs. If we say we know Jesus, the Bible says it needs to be evidenced through our lifestyle. If we say we know God, that manifesto ought to be seen by other people. If we say we love Jesus and we are Christian, then our habits match up to his words. Our lifestyle matches up to the standards that he set, not based on what we want to do, but what Jesus wants us to do. And the reality is, uh, within every believer exists two natures, exists the carnal man and the spiritual man or the carnal woman or the spiritual woman. And we learn from Romans uh, that there is a war that's going on within us. The reality is, once you became a Christian, your flesh did not get saved. Your flesh still exists. What happens is your body took on a new resonant. That's the uh, spiritual nature that's influenced by the Holy Spirit. So within you lies these two warring factions. One that wants to live without God, which is the flesh, and it's still there, it's still in you, and then you got, you got a new nature once you accept the Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. So uh, the more you feed the new nature, the more holy you become. The more you feed the new nature, the more godly you start to look. The more you feed the new nature, the more like Christ you start to look and behave. And, and the more, conversely, the more you feed the old nature, you see you, yourself doing the same old things that you were doing prior to us uh, 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 getting to know Jesus. Truly, this is part of our ontology. Because uh, Paul is showing us the anatomy of the Christian. If we were to put Christians um, in front of a biology class and, and, and to demonstrate or to show the students what's inside of a Christian, if we could do that, I'm, and I'm, of course I'm speaking um, about this metaphorically, if we were able to look at a diagram of a Christian, we'll be able to see the old nature and the new nature. And they are at war. The old nature thirst after the old ways. The old nature um, thinks about him or herself, selfish, self-absorbed. The old nature is prideful. The old nature uh, wants to be their own God. Uh, they want to live this life the way they want to live it. The old nature is religious versus the new nature. The new nature is holy. The new nature thirsts after righteousness. The new nature is not prideful but humble. The new nature 
uh, likes the things of God. The new nature is benevolent, meaning that they give. The new nature is altruistic. Not only do they give, but they give without thinking about ulterior motives or what they're going to get back in return. The new nature is interested about evangelism. The new nature is interested about giving their faith away. That's the new nature. The new nature can't help but to preach the good news of Jesus Christ because it is good. The news of Jesus Christ, death, burial, and resurrection is a good thing. And so we want others to also hear about this good news. So when we as believers abstain from sharing the good news, we are disrespecting God. We are putting Jesus back on the cross, as Paul says. We are renailing Jesus right back on the cross because we're saying even though the news is good, we're not going to tell it. Even though the news about what Jesus can do for people's lives, even though that's a reality, we think more about our ways than his ways. We're more focused on our lives versus our life in light of what he wants us to do. So, yes, we're purchased with his blood. We are ransomed. We were were purchased off the marketplace, as Paul puts it in his writings uh, in Romans. We were purchased off the marketplace of sin. So since we are indebted for this purchase through the blood of Jesus Christ, since we are supposed to be his, then we ought to let our light shine. We, we, we have to be ready to share the good news. And when we share the good news, this is what we're talking about. When we, when we lean to the Holy Spirit, when we allow him to have his way in our lives, when he moves on us to share the truth about Jesus, then somebody is going to ask, why? You want me to accept Jesus Christ? Why? You said the Bible is the authentic word of God. Why? You said that prayer works. Why? So let me clarify something. We're talking about speaking truth and being ready to give each man or woman an answer based on those things that are ans- uh, that, that we're able to give responses to. And there's a lot that we're able to give responses to. Now, some things we don't have answers for, and those things fall under the category of miracles. There are just some things we don't have answers for as human beings. We are finite who happen to serve an infinite God. God has all the answers. But those things that are categorized as mysteries, those things that belong to God alone, mysteries um, is defined as knowledge that belong to God alone. Um, The reality of how God can be three persons in one and not three gods, that's a mystery. Uh, How salvation works in terms of converting and um, mending and, and, and pricking hearts to change towards God, even though we hear it, how does it really work? That's mysterious. Uh, so there are some things that fall under the categories of mysteries, but that's okay. God has given us more than enough information in his word for us to respond to. Why do we worship um, on, on, on Sundays? Uh, why do we go to Bible study? Why do we give donations to our church? 
Why do we pay tithes? Right. People that don't know Jesus, they ask these questions and we must be ready to give each man an answer. Reason for the hope that lies within us. Why do we get baptized? We have to be ready to give each man or woman a reason for the hope that lies within us. So we can't retreat. We can't recoil. We must engage the culture for Jesus, not for ourselves, but for Jesus. We got to be ready. We got to be ready to answer the questions based on the reason of the hope that lies within us. I was having a discussion with my son, and uh, he's 13, and he asked one of the most profound questions. I've heard the question before, but to hear him ask it um, was enlightening and a joy because I knew where he was going with the question. So he asked me, if um, Adam and Eve had two sons, Cain and Abel, and he read in the Bible where um, Cain was able to have a family. And his question was, if Adam and Eve had Cain and Abel, and then we learned that Cain was able to have a family, where did these other people come from? Great question. Great question. He's not trying to be argumentative. He's not trying to be uh, problematic. He's He's sincere. God created us with the ability to desire knowledge. That's why he says in his word, come, let us reason together. So because I've been exposed to that question before, I was prepared to answer it. And this is the challenge for all of us. No one Christian knows everything. But because we learn from other people of wisdom, other men of God, other women of God, because God has placed truth in the hearts of his people, that truth can be learned from these people of wisdom. The Bible uh, gives us the principles to go by, but then through the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit put clarification on people's heart, and then those individuals are to share with other people. So to make a long story short, the answer to my son's question lies in the approach of the Bible. Uh, From one chapter to another, we'll find in Genesis where uh, not every detail is highlighted because that wasn't God's will. God is trying to Uh, give us a message. He wasn't trying to give us a blow by blow of every 24 hours, every every year. So from one chapter to another, we can see that there is a span of time that occurred between uh, uh, Cain and Abel, Cain killing Abel, and Cain um, having a family. Uh, There's even um, the narrative where we learn about Seth. Right. So after Abel dies, uh, Seth is given to Adam and Eve and he becomes a replacement. So um, during that time, we're talking about um, pure uh, heritage, meaning in the sense that this is before the Mosaic Covenant. God is uh, populating the earth. And so uh, he created these siblings from uh, 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 from Adam and Eve 
to create and populate the earth. So it wasn't incest at that point. God is trying to populate the earth. So um, Cain, basically, uh, his wife would have been a relative. And from that came the children, from that came the, the, the other people, which demonstrate a span of time has transpired because it never mentions how his wife uh, was a baby, how his wife grew to be a certain age. It doesn't talk about all of that. It skips over all of that and, and tells us that Cain had a family. And then Cain, um, another uh, part of it is Cain was concerned that someone would kill him because of what he did to Abel. Now, who would kill him if these people didn't exist? So it shows you that the Bible fast forward in this narrative, fast forwards uh, to a certain amount of years to talk about what happened to Cain after he killed his own brother. So that was the response. And I made sure that he understood the approach of uh, how Genesis was put together and how Moses wrote Genesis. Uh, God was trying to give us a message. It wasn't his intent to give us every single occurrence that happened in Cain's lifetime or in Adam and Eve's lifetime. So that was the approach that uh, God used Moses uh, to uh, utilize as it relates to the hearers of the message, of the narrative. And we find the same thing in the New Testament where it talks about Jesus. Uh, that uh, there's this disclaimer that says not everything that he did could be captured into the book. Same thing. So the, uh, the Bible is not trying to detail every human event or every single day of that particular person. God is trying to highlight certain things that we need in order to attain salvation. I hope that makes sense. If you have any other questions, feel free to email us at info at srministries.org, info at srministries.org. So as we go on through First Peter, it says uh, in verse 13, and who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? Right? So uh, some people are thinking about, well, if I preach Jesus, um, I'll be an outcast. If I talk about the gospel, then people will look at me a certain way. If I uh, share the good news, then I may come across as too religious. Uh, uh, if, if I proclaim my devotion to Christ, then others may think I'm intolerant. All of these names and all of these objections, and uh, Peter's basically forewarning them or, or comforting them rather that it's going to be okay. If you live for Jesus, it's going to be okay. If you standing up for holiness, it's going to be okay. There's no need to worry, right? Even if we're persecuted for Christ's sake, it's better to be persecuted with Christ, for Christ, than to be persecuted because we live in a different lifestyle or we, uh, we are chasing after our own dreams outside of God's will for us. So who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? But even if you should suffer, right? We talk about this book. It's about how to overcome or persevere through suffering. But if you should, if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you are blessed. See, that's the qualifier. You may be suffering, 
But are you suffering for righteousness sake? Are you suffering because of your rebellion? If you're suffering because of your rebellion, this verse is not for you. You are dealing with God himself. If you know God wants you to do something, but you are refusing to do it, that's a totally different story. But this book is designed for those who are interested in doing the Lord's will and are actually doing it. So if you suffer for Christ's sake, you are blessed. It's right there in the scriptures. First Peter chapter 13, I mean, uh, uh, verse chapter three, verse 15, 13. If you are living for righteousness sake, you are blessed. And then it quotes uh, from the Psalms and do not be afraid of the threats, nor be troubled. Do not be afraid of the thir- of their threats, nor be troubled. You don't have to be afraid. Um, as it quotes from Isaiah chapter eight, verse 12, don't be afraid. God has us. God will comfort us. Do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. Same thing Isaiah was sharing with his people during that time. There's no reason to lose sleep over what others may do if you're living for Jesus. You don't have to lose any sleep. There's no reason to be fearful if you're living for Jesus and um, other people in your life or around you uh, don't want you to live for Jesus or what they may do, what they may say. You don't have to be fearful. The, the devil wants you to live in paralysis. That He wants you to not be totally sold out. He wants you to negotiate whether or not you're going to follow Jesus Christ. And this is how he wins. He sows seeds of doubt, which we must resist. It says resist the devil and he will flee. So we, we have to resist. So in uh, chapter 13 of 1 Peter, I'm sorry, chapter 3, verse 13 of 1 Peter, we see these words. Do not be afraid of their, thirst, uh, of their threats, nor be troubled. But look at this. But sanctify the Lord God in your heart. Be always ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. So with 13, it says, who will harm you? Verse 14. But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of your threatenings or, or be troubled as uh, Peter quotes from Isaiah, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hopes that's, in, that's within you with meekness and fear. We're living out our evangelism. We're living it out. So if people ask us, why do you read the Bible? Why do you trust the Bible? Isn't the Bible corrupt? If people ask you, why do you pray and not retaliate? Uh, the way the other person uh, did against you. Uh, why do you trust in God? We have to be ready to give a, a reason for the hope that lies within us. Why do you believe Jesus is coming back? These questions are fair game. These questions are valid. So when people ask us why we do the things we do, we have to be ready to give each man and woman an answer. Well, our time have concluded. We thank you for joining us. And as always, thank you all for your prayers. And please uh, consider donating to Sound Reasoning Radio Program. And remember to do for the truth 
what so many people do for a lie. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy message as has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. Hello, hello, Quinice Petway here, co-host of the Your Daily Bible Verse podcast. Are you someone who loves to take a deep dive into God's word one verse at a time to explore his will for your life and desire to draw closer to him? If that sounds like you, I'd love to invite you to head over to lifeaudio.com and search Your Daily Bible Verse to tune in and subscribe for daily inspiration, life application, and spiritual transformation through the in-depth exploration of God's Word.